who are fathers, fathers to be, and uh, those who have who are father figures to those in your lives. Really, uh, really appreciate you. Well, the past few weeks we have been uh, we've been going through the four biblical distinctives that make up our philosophy of ministry here at, at Anchorage Grace Church. And uh, if you've been here, you know that uh, Nathan Schneider a few weeks ago uh, spoke on transcendent worship, and uh, he, he encouraged us that way. After him was uh, Leo Masters, and he spoke to expository preaching and talked about the different uh, uh, types of preaching, but, but really expository as we're doing. And, and I want to you know, Leo to be happy with me. So uh, I'm I'm going to do a topical exegetical uh, uh, study this morning. All right. So anyway, don't want Leo to be upset with you. I'm totally kidding. He's great. Um, and uh, Steve Paul's last week building community uh, talked about just uh, building community here as uh, our third distinctive and the fourth one this morning is making disciples. And so I'm gonna gonna be sharing with you on that. And uh, just, uh, just excited to, to do this. It, as I think of uh, sharing about making disciples, it is such a massive uh, thing. It's what do I not share? How do I, how do I boil this down a little bit? So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll do that. And, and I have several passages that we're going to look at. But, uh, but I, I really want to want to answer three questions, or at least, uh, at least point three questions out to you. And that would be number one: What is a disciple? The second question you want to look at is, how do we make disciples? And the third question is, how am I making disciples? So that's where we, that's where we want to go, and, uh, and we'll see how we do. What is a disciple? What does a disciple of Jesus Christ look like? You know, um, in the original language, uh, Greek used here, the, uh, the term disciple is, uh, and, and its, its various forms are matheteus, and uh, it means a learner or a pupil, okay? Someone who, someone who learns, someone who studies under, under one. And uh, in many um, leaders in Jesus' day were, had disciples. A lot, a lot of them did. A lot of the rabbis and, and those had disciples. Just, uh, just a couple examples from, from Scripture. Number one is John the Baptizer. Uh, John the Baptist, he had disciples that would go with him and, and uh, would, would minister along with, with John. And then uh, later on, if, if you remember, later on, as, as he was, uh, uh, as Jesus, as John was getting less and Jesus was getting greater, uh, a couple of those disciples left and, and became Jesus' disciples. Um, so, uh, so John had disciples. And then also, uh, um, Paul was a disciple. Of, uh, of a guy named Gamaliel. Uh, we, we learn in Acts 22 and, and other places that, that Paul studied under a guy named Gamaliel who was, who was a, a pharisaical leader who, who was very well known and very well respected. And when uh, he was the type of guy that uh, when you said, I stunned under Gamaliel, people went, oh, okay, all right. That gives you some credibility. And so Paul was one of his disciples. Um, and, uh, but, but Jesus did disciples like nobody else. He uh, made disciples, and they were very different. Okay? They were very different. He was, he was not just interested in academic, not just interested in, in learning 
per se, but he was interested in changing the heart. And that's, that's what, what he did, and that's how he, he worked with, with his disciples, the 12 and then, and then others as well. It was learning. Yes, he taught them from the scriptures, but it wasn't just learning. It wasn't just academic. It was, it was a heart change, and, and the academic was not enough. And so, so that's how, how Jesus did, uh, did his disciples. And, and one of the things I thought of as, as I was studying is, is, am I, who claim to be a disciple of Jesus, am I content with academic, with, with knowledge, with, yes, I believe God's word, I believe, yes, I'm, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and growth that way? Or... Do I allow God's word to change me, to, to, to make me more like him? Is that, is that where I'm at? Turn with me quickly, if you would, in, to John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Jesus is, uh, is speaking here in John chapter 8, and, and he, uh, he talks about, um, he was talking to the Jews, and he talked to them about what it means to be a disciple. And so in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is this that you say you will become free? And we can go on there. But Jesus Jesus said, if you are my disciples, you will what? Abide in my word. Abide. You will, you will not just be present. You will be living, growing, breathing. You will be everything in my word. You will abide in my word. It will, it will fill you and come um, consume you. That's what, if you are truly my disciple, it will be. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, disciples of others looked to one day kind of take the place of their master. You know, one day I'll, I'll take the place of Gamaliel, or one day I'll be, you know, and they kind of looked to fulfill those roles. But as disciples of Jesus, we're, we're not looking to fulfill our master's role, are we? We're, we're, we're not going to be Jesus. We, we just want others to see Jesus through us. We just want to be a representation of Jesus and have him live his life through us and, and speak through us. Okay? So it's, it's a very different picture of how to do disciples. You know, let's, let's look at what Jesus said to his uh, disciples. We, um, Matthew chapter 28, very famous uh, passage. Um, many of the passages that I'm sharing with this morning you are very familiar with. And, uh, and, and you have read uh, several times, I'm sure. But in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, uh, Jesus is uh, going to the mountain. This is the last time he will be with his disciples here on earth as a resurrected uh, Savior. This is the last time he'll be there. And so they are gathering. And we'll pick it up uh, in chap- Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. And it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Did you notice the first part of the charge that Jesus had to his disciples there was to go and make disciples of all the nations? I think, I think sometimes we kind of have this thing like, like the mission of making disciples is kind of a local thing or it's an American thing or it's something that just kind of relates to us. No, this is a global mission. This is not an American mission. This is globally. We are to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. God is interested in all nations coming to know him. He's interested in all the people of the United States coming to know him. He's interested in all the people of Alaska coming to know him. And all the people of Anchorage, he's interested in coming to know him. So it's a global mission that that we are given. Revelation chapter 7 talks about a a scene where there's a throne and there's worshiping of God on his throne in heaven. And it says that there are those from every nation and tribe and people and language that are gathered around the throne together worshiping him, a multitude that no one can count or number. And so we see that God is interested in the nations worshiping him, in the nations being his disciples. And there will be representatives of every tribe and nation and people and tongue. What, a, what an amazing day that will be. Wherever as God has placed you, wherever he calls you to, wherever he puts you, make disciples. You know, make this, the second thing that, uh, that he said there is make disciples of all nations baptizing them. And we, we had just a wonderful picture of, of baptism this morning. Um, just so excited um, for those guys, for Kelly and Stephen, and, and uh, just their act of obedience and, and baptism. And it's, it is, as they said, it's an outward symbol of what is going on inside of you. It is saying, I want to be identified with Christ. I want people, when they see me, to think of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what baptism is. And uh, it is, it is the, the picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that we want to be identified with him. I want everyone to know that I am a disciple of Jesus. That's, that's where I want it to be. And, and the third part here in Matthew 28, it says, Go therefore into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We, we can't just jump over that, can we? The picture of the triune God, the picture of the Trinity here. We are baptizing as you, as you heard, Leo, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just a beautiful picture of who God is. But we were baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Part of making disciples is teaching to observe um, all that they've done. And, and obedience has everything to do with being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Knowledge is not enough, but you, you need to do it. 
Okay? As Nike says, just do it. And uh, sometimes we, we come up with all kinds of excuses. Lord, but you know, Lord, but I just do what he's called you to do. James chapter 1, verses 22, uh, gives, gives a pretty sober, uh, sober command when it says, Do not be mere doers of the word only, but be hearers of the word. Okay? It says uh, um, that you can deceive yourselves. If you are hearers of the word and not doers of the word, you are deceiving yourselves. Okay? We don't want to be deceived. We don't want to think we are disciples of the Lord and we are walking with Him and yet we are deceiving ourselves because we are not walking in obedience and we're not growing. Okay? So we need to, to just not be hearers of the Word, but we need to be doers of the Word, not just knowledge gainers. Several weeks ago, uh, actually Easter, Jeff uh, spoke and he, uh, if you remember, he, he talked about the crowds that were there when Jesus uh, came in the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Do you remember this? Remember this? They came in, and it was Palm Sunday that we celebrate, and it was Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Remember this? And, and the crowds were throwing their garments down on the ground and waving palm branches, and, and just an amazing scene of celebrating Jesus as the king. That he is. But they were, they were celebrating and worshiping. Hosanna. And then the, the next week, that week, some of the very same people were shouting, crucify him. What a, not just a humbling, but what a shocking picture of how we can be so, you know, focused or, or, or trying to live for the Lord, but we deceive ourselves. And when Christ asks us to do something that we have a hard time with or is very difficult then we remember the crowd. Now crucify him. Crucify him. Um, and so we need not, we, we best not deceive ourselves. It is not just knowledge. It is obedience. And we need to be about being obedient disciples of Jesus Christ. Just think in your own life, your own heart and mind, what is the difference between a crowd member and an obedient disciple? And which do I align more closely with? That's what each of us needs to, to ask ourselves. You know, um, one of my sons um, is not with us today. He is on, on a missions trip to Israel. Some of you may know that. He's, he's uh, playing basketball with Athletes in Action and, and being around Israel and, and uh, Bethlehem, which is, which is in Palestine. And so he's uh, been enjoying his time there very, very much. And, and he's been sending some email. Uh, I did a blog for a bit, but he's been sending some email updates. And uh, I just got one uh, from him yesterday, and, and it, it has something that I think will be interesting for us on this, this subject of uh, disciples. So I thought I would read uh, just a little bit to you. This is uh, this is from my son, Life, and uh, it's uh, it's as of yesterday. Yesterday morning, we left for Nazareth. For the second half of the day after the drive, we spent some time touring different spots in the city where Jesus grew up. 
Though the city has changed and grown a ton since that time, we were still able to see some spots that Jesus definitely would have spent time in growing up, though it was not specifically stated in the Bible. There isn't much recorded in Scripture about Christ's childhood. So as we walked around to different spots in Nazareth, we saw and talked through different word pictures that Jesus used in his teaching. We spent the night at a, at a convent in Nazareth and left early this morning for the Sea of Galilee. Today was really cool. As we walked and hiked around the region that surrounds the Sea of Galilee, we visited ancient cities such as Bethsaida, Capernaum, and Chorazin, all of which Jesus mentions and ministers in multiple times throughout his ministry. We talked about the calling of Jesus' disciples and how he chose to use ordinary men. One thing that I thought was cool that I didn't know beforehand was how young the disciples actually were. I used to always think of them as probably about the same age as Jesus. Jesus was 30 years old when he started his ministry. However, from what we know of Jewish culture, and since we know that Peter was the only married disciple, it is safe to assume that the disciples were in their late teens or early 20s. Also, when a rabbi or teacher would pick his disciples, it would mean that the men were younger than him so that he could train them in, with his teaching so that they would be able to carry on once the rabbi's work was done. This, obviously, this is obviously a great example of discipleship that is supposed to take place within the church today. And all that being said, it's crazy to think that the disciples were about the same age as me or younger. I do have to say that he closed out his, uh, his letter saying, Oh yeah, by the way, tonight I'm spending the night at a hotel overlooking the Sea of Galilee. It's like, I just had to say that. And, oh yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. I'm excited for him. He's having a great time. But, but what an interesting thought. These disciples were young. They were young, and they had their whole lives ahead of them. And, and so Jesus was teaching and working with these disciples. Well, how do we, how do we make disciples here at Grace? How do we make disciples and, and, and outside of Grace? Within Grace, uh, at Anchorage Grace, we make disciples in, in a lot of different ways. The list is very, very long. Okay? Community groups, children's ministries, youth ministries, Grace Christian School, I, I was a part of youth ministry for, for a long time. Now my, my spot is uh, it was with Grace Christian School, and what we want to do at Grace Christian School is make disciples, missions trips, uh, support teams, outreach events, on and on and on and on and on. Most of what we do here is we want to make disciples. That's why we do a lot of the things that we do. You know, most of what uh, youth ministry does is, is to make disciples. And, uh, and Mary Huey and Rob Annett have been uh, helping me with uh, youth ministry for a long time. And they have met uh, in small groups with kids for, for, for quite a while. And making disciples and working with them. Rob is, has met with two of my sons for, for four years as they went through high school. So four years investing. It's pretty cool. And... Uh, it has, been, uh, it has been wonderful for them. But the last session, and you can ask them afterwards, just in case I'm, I'm not telling you the truth. You can ask them. But the, but the last time he meets with them, he says, you need to go and do with someone else what I have done with you. You need to be about making disciples. 
And so it's not, it, it's about them going out and investing in others. And that is what we are called to do. We are called to make disciples. Right? We want to be about making disciples of Jesus. Teaching the word, knowledge, is only part of making disciples. Doing the word must be what takes place as well. We need to be about getting our eyes off ourselves and, and getting it on others. We need about about doing things. A changing of the heart okay, is where we need to be. Well, with that, I, I ask the question, who is supposed to make disciples? You know, we, we read here in Matthew 28, and it says... Uh, at the start, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And so it's talking about the 11. Uh, Judas, obviously, not in the picture at this time. He has is, he is, uh, uh, killed himself by this time. But uh, it's the last time Jesus is with his, uh, with his followers, with his disciples. And so the 11 are there, but, but I think there's more than the 11. Listen to this. It says, uh, now the 11 disciples went up to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Okay? So there's some doubting in this group of disciples. Now we know that some of the disciples, some of the 11 doubted, don't we? Remember Thomas? You know? Anytime you, you hang out with uh, a group of guys for, you know, three plus whatever years, you, you get nicknames. I mean, that's just the way it is. Okay? And so Thomas got a nickname at the end. Uh, what, what, what is he called? Doubting Thomas. That's exactly right. So, so Thomas doubted. And so he's called Doubting Thomas is, is his nickname. But he believed by this time, didn't he? He believed before Christ ascended into heaven. And so it's not Thomas. The other, he had, had many times with the other disciples. So we're kind of led to believe that this was not just the 11, but it was a bigger crowd, okay? It was a large crowd that was there. And, and the instructions are, are to go and make disciples. That is it, to this large crowd. You know, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, he mentions that, that there was one time, at least one time, where there was over 500 people together at one time that witnessed the resurrected, the resurrected Jesus. I don't... I don't know if this is that time or not, but, uh, but if there are 500 people that are all witnesses to the same thing, that, that would stand up today in a court of law, wouldn't it? You 500, 500 witnesses, all right? So, uh, so at some point in time, there's 500 witnesses all together at one time seeing the resu- resurrected Christ. I don't know if this was it or not, but there was people that were there. He said, go and make disciples. So it's not just the 11. It's not just church leaders. It's not just those who have had training. We are all to go and make disciples of others. Everyone who has saving faith and is trusting in Jesus Christ alone for the salvation of their souls, like we saw witness and testimony to this morning, are commanded to make disciples. So you're saying, wait a second, I don't know how to do this. I, I, I don't know. My thoughts get jumbled, and I get nervous, and I start going, uh, what was that verse? I knew that. And, and it just, I don't have it. I can't do it. Hmm. Well, I think all of us know someone who knows less than we do that needs to know the Lord, that needs to become a disciple of Jesus. 
And each one of you can share what God is doing in your life. Each one of you can share what, is, what has been going on. Each one of you can say how you think about things that are going on in your life and compared to how God is at work in your life. Every one of us, every one of us can share what God is, is doing. Okay? So the, the training thing, while I'm not saying don't ever deepen your knowledge in the Word, absolutely deepen your knowledge in the Word. Absolutely learn. Again, learner pupil is part of what a disciple is, but don't use that as a reason I can't share, I don't know enough. We all can share. We all can strategize as how we can get into spiritual conversations with people that we come in contact with. Asking them what they think. Asking them what they think about God or what they think about what's going on in their lives or how they handle difficulties in their lives. Every one of us, every one of us can do that. You know, today being Father's Day, um, and again, I just want to say happy Father's Day, but I also want to say I, those of you who are, who are fathers, fathers-to-be or father figures, we need you. We need fathers in our society, and, and uh, so I would encourage you to step up and to be that father figure to, uh, to who God has placed in your life. But I was blessed with, uh, with wonderful parents, a father and a mother that taught me from an early age, as, as long as I can remember, they taught me uh, to observe the commands of Jesus. They, they did. And so I, I am very, very blessed that way. Fathers, we need to be diligent in teaching our children to observe the commands of Jesus. He's given us that charge. Are you diligent? Do you strategize? Do you look for opportunities? Are you active in that way? Again, all the answers? Don't have to have all the answers. I My kids challenge me <laughs> all the time. Hmm, I've got to think about that one for a bit. So I'm not saying all the answers, but are you strategizing and diligently teaching your children to observe the commands of Christ? And it doesn't just have to stop when they reach 18. There's opportunities for us to, to challenge and to encourage our kids for a lifetime. But it's not just our children that we're about. What about our parents or our family members? Those that are closest, uncles, aunts, cousins. Okay? What about those? What about coworkers? What about neighbors? There are people that God brings into our life all the time, continually. They're there, and we are charged with making disciples in all different forms, in all different venues, in, in plenty of different ways. But it's a command that Jesus' disciples will make disciples. So are you about doing that? So that leads me to... How am I doing about making disciples? How am I doing? A sobering thing, if you ask me. You know, Matthew 28 tells us we're commanded to make disciples. A little bit more on the, the family front. Uh, I'm going to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, if you want to join me there. 
1 Timothy chapter 3. Here were listed the qualifications for church leadership, for elders, for, for overseers. And it lists those qualifications here. And uh, if you will allow me, not that you necessarily have a choice, but if you will allow me, I'm going to read the uh, first five verses of, of uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 that talk about the qualifications for, for leaders, elders in, in the church. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard or violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? You know, the command there is that the elder, the overseer, the leader in the church must have management over his own household. His, his children must be submissive to where he's at. Okay? And, and that is what we're called to. As a matter of fact, if... Um, just uh, just over a couple pages. There's uh, in Titus chapter one. It talks as well about uh, some um, establishing qualifications for elders. And in Titus one five, it says, "This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery." or insubordination. And it goes on there a little bit. But it says that that the elders' children are to be believers. Okay? So they're to have a household that is in submission and they are to be believers. And that's that's a qualification for church leadership, for eldership. Well in my thinking, if that's a qualification for church leadership, that your house is in order, in submission and your and your, your children are believers. That really is what God calls us to be our first ministry, is to our families. We need, as parents, we need to invest in our families and have our families in order. Sometimes it's messy. Uh, you know this. Families are goofy, they're messy, and sometimes it doesn't work well, and we have issues. Nonetheless, we are to be about making disciples in our families, getting our houses in order, having submissive children and children that, that want to honor the Lord. And if, and if that doesn't happen, that affects our qualifications for serving, our qualifications for church leadership. It, it affects it. And so um, I think it's clear that the Bible teaches that our families are our first ministry, and we need to be about investing in those. If that's not going well, it's going to affect our ability to serve the church. But parents, we're not, we're not diligent about raising up children to be disciples um, for our own mission because we want you know, people to look well upon us or we want you know, things to go well. Or we, that's not why. The reason we are to be diligent of raising our children to be disciples of Jesus Christ is for 
the glory of God, for him to be glorified, for people to look at our family and, and our children and, and to honor God. And so that's ultimately why we want to make disciples. Well, how about coworkers? We are called to make disciples in our workplace. Now, now I'm sure some of you, it's not going to go over real well if you, if you start sharing your faith openly and unabashedly in, in your workplace. Uh, that, that might be frowned upon. It might not be allowed. It, uh, who knows what your situation is. However, each of us can share what's going on in our lives. Each of us can share how we've seen God at work in our lives and who we credit and who our thoughts are as far as what, what is happening and how we're able to handle difficult situations or how we see blessing in our lives or how we see our families uh, doing well or not doing so well, but we are trusting the Lord through that. Every one of us can do that. And we can also challenge our coworkers as to how they are responding to the things that are going on in their lives. What, how do you handle that? How are you doing going through this? What are your thoughts? And, and just challenge people to think that way. So calling, our calling from God is to make disciples. And the place that he places us most in every day whether it's your place of work or whether it's your home, if you're a stay-at-home parent or whatever, we are to invest in that and, and make sure that we are doing our best with the Lord's strength to make disciples in that situation, whatever, whatever that situation is. Well, how about neighbors? I've had, some, I've had some interesting neighbors through the years, some very interesting neighbors. I won't go there. I'm tempted because some of them are rather humorous, but I won't go there. But we just had interesting neighbors go on. And we are called to, to reach out to our neighbors and to help our neighbors uh, see the Lord and become disciples. Remember, uh, remember how Jesus responded to a man in Luke chapter 10. I'm gonna I'm gonna read here, Luke chapter 10. He responded to him who asked, who is my neighbor? Remember that? Let's look at that. Luke chapter 10. This is the, uh, the passage uh, of the Good Samaritan. You're very familiar with this, I'm sure. I'm sure you've heard, heard this many times. But let's read once again Luke chapter 10, and uh, starting in verse 25. It says this, And behold, a lawyer stood to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to them, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And as he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, 
when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. So the man was looking, who's my neighbor? He answered correctly. He answered, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, he said do the commandments. Love God, love others, right? Ten commandments, boiled down, simplest form, love God, love others. Not yourself, love God, love others. He said, this I do. This is what I do. But we see a little glimpse into this man's heart with the question he asked in verse 29. He said, oh, I'm sorry, it says, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? See, he wanted to justify in his heart as to his behavior. We justify things, don't we? We justify why I'm not going to go talk to that person. We justify why I, I have every right not to like that neighbor. We justify a lot of things. And so Jesus' response to the justification of, I don't really need to you know, make a disciple of that guy, said, gave the this, this story of the Good Samaritan and said, your neighbor. And who you need to love is your enemy, is the one that you see as less worthy than a dog, is the one that you despise, is the one that you can't stand. That's who you need to love. That's what he said to each of us. Oh, bet she's glad uh, you asked that question, huh? <laughs> Never asked Jesus some <clears throat> some questions and then... They're not really excited that uh, he gave you the answer that you weren't exactly looking for. And that's that's where this man was. He was not interested in honoring God. Rather, he was interested in making sure his own account was acceptable. That's what he was interested in. I want my own account to be acceptable. Jesus said, you got a long way to go. He was not really concerned about his neighbor. He was concerned about himself. That's where he was at. You know, ever since I can remember, my mother has met with neighbors and coworkers and and people looking for opportunities to share her faith, to share Christ with them. She she is not very big. She used to be just over five foot. Now I don't think she quite uh, makes that barrier, but she's, she's a very small lady but she is very active Um, she goes to a club that my parents have been members at and she does water aerobics about five days a week 
and she just keeps active. And so she, she goes out to lunch with ladies from her club. She goes out to, to lunch and, and does Bible studies with, with people that she comes in contact with. That's what she does. And she's been doing that for as long as I can remember. Well, one of the, when I think back to when I grew up, uh, <coughs> early 70s, <coughs> and uh, it was in Minnesota, early 70s, I remember my mother meeting with, doing lunch, getting together mother's wise, talking about whatever mothers talk about when they get together. She met with these ladies in the early 70s in our neighborhood, met with my friends' mothers, okay? And most of them at that time, as I recall, were not believers, okay? And their husbands were not believers. But uh, she met with them. We lived there, uh, lived there probably uh, 12 years, I think, and then they moved to Arizona. Well, they went back um, just a few years ago to the area that I grew up, you know, the neighborhood I grew up, and met with some of the folks there, some of the neighbors who are still, still there. You know, it's obviously been a long time. But they're still there, and so they met with them and, and talked with them and got together and connected and had lunch and just had a great time. But my mom said, the Bible study is still going. And, sorry, and, I get this from my father, so you can blame him, okay? And many of those neighbors, those moms of my friends, and their husbands have come to know the Lord through this time. And the Bible study is still going. For those of you that aren't good in math, that's, that's over 40 years, okay? That's a long time. I don't think God is calling us to start Bible studies in the last 40 years. I just don't. And my mom hasn't been a part of that for over 20, long time. But I do know that God is calling each one of us to make disciples, to reach out to look at the needs of others and to respond and to teach them to observe all that he's commanded us. That's what we're commanded to do. That's what we need to be about doing. And so the challenge for you and myself is how you doing at making disciples. How are you doing at not just getting disciples that are knowledge but are changing their heart as well. Let's pray. Father, you are so good, and we are so thankful that you have found us, and you have called us to yourself. You had made us your disciples. And God, it is humbling that you see fit to challenge us with making those around us disciples that are to honor and glorify you. But that is what we want to do. I pray that you would bring to each one of us thoughts in our minds, people that we are to meet with, people that we are to invest in, people that we are to share your truths with and to point them to you. I pray that you would find us faithful in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, and in our families. 
May you be glorified in our lives. We love you, Father. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, I would like to thank you for coming and being here. And uh, I hope that, uh, that you are as challenged as I have been from the charge to make disciples. And uh, I'm just hoping that you enjoy the week. Solar charged, I don't know about you, but uh, whew, it seems like uh, I uh, stay up a little later. But that's okay. Depend on the Lord this week. Hope you have a great week. And uh, we are dismissed.